Hey, welcome back to another episode of Restless the Podcast. You know, we have an incredible guest tonight who tells a heartfelt story about her life and her struggle with mental illness. If you want to contact us, you can do so at info at restlesspodcast.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, you can go to our website at restlesspodcast.com and go to the little tab that says Tell Your Story, and we would love to hear from you. CJ's story is one of deep mental and spiritual suffering and what she describes as a very dark pit in her life. She felt cut off and abandoned by family, friends, and even God. However, pain was not her purpose, because what was an unsufferable isolation was transformed into an immaculate intimacy. And through her story, may you see that the same could become true in yours. And CJ, we're going to pass it off to you. Let's hear your story. Welcome, CJ. Hey, welcome. I'm feeling very welcomed by you all. It's good to be with you. Um, my story uh, begins about 20 years ago. Um, it sometimes has felt like a very, very long journey, uh, a never-ending story. But uh, coming up to today's date, I can say that uh, I am rejoicing in God, my Savior. Um, but going back 20 years ago, uh, I became a broken woman. Um, I was broken in many ways. Um, I felt mainly that my brain was actually broken. Uh, I was no longer able to uh, think clearly. I couldn't speak words. Uh, I, I couldn't think of what words to use. Uh, my heart was broken. My soul was broken. And I think the biggest pain that I had in my life was that I did not sense God's presence. Um, I came to know Christ as a little girl when I was about nine years old and had always had a heart for God, but didn't know him until I asked him to just come into my life uh, when I was nine uh, and I was at a Christian school at that time. Um, a lot of years passed and uh, I did not get discipled, but I always felt that God was very close to me. Um, I went through young life as a ministry and kind of rededicated my life to God. Uh, and Jesus was very uh, much a part of my life. Uh, he was my Lord at that time. Um, he was the most important thing to me in my life. Uh, I met my husband and got married and had two wonderful kids, and life passed very quickly. Um, things were going great. But about 20 years ago, um, it happened very suddenly, and I became very, very ill. I did not know what was wrong with me. Um, I, w I lost a lot of weight. I had no appetite. Uh, I was having trouble doing my job at work. Uh, I could not sleep at night. And my spirit was 
feeling very, very empty, alone, abandoned, and and just dark. I, I just felt so weak and helpless. Um, before that, I had been what my daughter calls a uh, super mom. I could do everything. I was working full time, taking care of the yard, taking care of my husband, my children, the animals, um, involved in my church, doing ministry. But I don't know what happened. Um, I can only explain it as my brain broke. And I just did not have anybody to share that with. Um, there were moments when I would even try to pray and I didn't know what to say. I was unable even to speak to the God who lived inside of me. And the only thing I could get out was, Oh God. Uh, I, I met a friend one day for lunch and she was a psychiatric nurse. And I was telling her that at this point in my life, I had no will to go on living. Uh, I did not have a plan to kill myself. Nothing was set in stone, but I just had so much pain that I did not want to go on living. Um, my friend immediately said, uh, you, you really need to see a doctor. I think you need to see a psychiatrist. And I just, everything within me rebelled and I did not say anything to her, but I screamed in my mind, you gotta be kidding. I am not going to see a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is somebody who puts people away in institutions. You lose your job because somebody finds out you're seeing a psychiatrist. Your friends and family stop trusting in you because they think you're crazy. There was no way I was going to see a psychiatrist. Uh, it, it actually felt pretty good to feel some emotion at that point because for days and weeks and months, I felt nothing nothing but pain. Um, so I pulled up my bootstraps and I said, I can do this. Uh, I'm a child of God. He's going to get me through this and I'm going to go on. And I plodded along and plodded along just taking one day at a time. But what I found was I got sicker and sicker and nobody really knew about it. Uh, my husband noticed some changes, and um, I feel that God really gave me my husband as a gift. Um, I took great pride in being a mom who was a good cook, and that was the one thing that I felt that I was good at was uh, cooking homemade meals for people. Um, for whatever reason, I felt like God had stripped that away from me. Um, I never became angry at him, but I know that he, he 
allowed that to be taken out of my life because I became so sick. I could not even cook anymore. Uh, My husband had to take over going to the grocery store and cooking. Um, I became so ill that I would push myself to work, but then I'd come home and crawl up on the couch and cover myself with a blanket and try to go to sleep and shut out the world because it was too painful to be a part of. Um, Eventually, my husband said, uh, I think that we need to think about you seeing somebody. And I did not want to do that. Uh, Kept going to work. And I had a breakdown at work and just started sobbing uncontrollably and did not know what was wrong with me. And some friends who were um, at work with me said, let's, let's get out of here. So in the middle of the day, we left the building. They drove me around in the car and they said, you need to see a psychiatrist and you need to get some help. Um, I was so sick at that point that I kind of resigned myself to, I guess I better do something about what's going on with me. Um, again, I continued to deteriorate and eventually was not able to go to work anymore. And I quit my job. Um, I was no longer able to leave the house. Um, I was no longer able to go to church. Uh, I pretty much had to tell my husband to protect me and call all family and friends and say that I was not feeling well and would not be able to talk to them or see them. And we didn't know how long that was going to be. So I became more and more isolated and sicker and sicker, again, not knowing what was going on. Um, I eventually uh, went to the doctor and uh, told her I was very sick and had an ear infection. And she started asking me some questions and uh, came to realize that uh, I was feeling suicidal, but not having a plan. And she immediately said, we are going to get you on some medication and you're going to come back and see me in two weeks. Uh, So I did that and continued to deteriorate. Uh, The medication was not the answer. Um, I continued to get sicker. And that's when my husband again intervened and said, uh, we need to have you see a psychiatrist. And I said, I cannot even think about figuring out who to see or how to do that. And so he did that for me. And um, 
got hold of a woman. But again, uh, in the mental health field, it's very difficult. Some doctors are overloaded with cases. They are not taking any more patients. Um, we finally found a woman doctor who I, I wanted to see a woman, but her case was so full I had to wait one more month before I could even be seen. So uh, time went on. In all of this, uh, you know, remember, I know the Lord, but I was unable to speak to him, to pray for myself, or even ask others to pray for me. I was not getting fed at church because I could not go to church. But I'm reminded that God promised in his word that he will intercede for us. Uh, the one scripture I, I want to find that for you that I wrote down is that it's from Romans uh, 8, 26 and 27. And it says, in the same way, the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray uh, to offer. We don't know what prayer to even offer or how to offer it as we should. But praise God, the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf. This is the Holy Spirit who is able and willing to intercede on our behalf. He does it with sighs and groanings too deep for words. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. And I did not know that at the time. But later on, I found that scripture and I said, yes, God was present, even when I did not feel him, even when I did not see him anywhere. He was present. He was offering the perfect prayer for me, interceding according to God's will. And that is one scripture that I continue to uh, praise him for because that is God's truth. Um, I have learned through this that God's word is healing. And that brought some healing to me later on. Um, getting back to my story, I did see the doctor, the psychiatrist. And she put me on a different medication. Uh, she said I needed to be involved in counseling for a combination of counseling and medication uh, is usually the treatment plan for people with um, depression and anxiety or other kinds of mental illness. So I did that. Through the years, I had seen about five different counselors. Um, one milestone in my counseling, 
I remember that uh, it was a secular counselor and, and it was a, ma a man. And he said, well, do you want to get well? And it kind of shook me. And you would think that my answer would be yes. But you know, something funny happens when people are sick. You become almost comfortable in your sickness. And people are kinder to you. They do things for you. And for me to answer, yes, I want to get well, meant that I would have to do something. I would have to probably be involved in some hard work. And I would have to be involved in making some decisions which could cause change in my life. I had to think about that. Did I want to get well? And was I willing to take that risk that I thought was a risk to, to step into an area that was unfamiliar and unknown to me? Because my sickness had become my life. It was all that I knew. Um, that was, that was a turning point for me. So I told the counselor, yeah, I'll, I'll do what we need to do to try to get well. And so it was a long process of trying to uh, receive counseling, do the counseling work I needed to do, trying medication after medication, going through many uh, side effects of medication, waiting for another medication to kick in. And oftentimes it takes up to six weeks before one will even begin to work. And as I look back, I have a record of being prescribed over 20 different medications in my journey. Each one of those I had side effects on. Each one I had to wait and hope and fear what my side effects were going to be as I started a new medication. Um, that was part of my treatment plan. I actually started to have uh, some peaks and valleys in, in my journey. Um, at one point, I said to God, okay, I've decided I'm going to get well. Now, God, I think I'm going to take a little risk here, and I'm going to ask you to reveal one, just one sin in my life that you want me to deal with and to work on. And immediately he said, your daughter is an idol. Well, I knew that, but hadn't heard it from him. And so I had to do the work of confessing that sin and being willing to receive his forgiveness. Uh, you can confess a sin, but not feel like you're worthy to receive forgiveness. I chose to receive his forgiveness.
And that was another stepping stone to my healing. Um, when I did that, took my daughter off of the throne of my life, I had to go through a process of putting Jesus Christ back on the throne of my heart where he had started out when I was nine years old. Um, he was supposed to be there. And since then, through this journey, he is the most important person in my life. Praise God for that. Um, nothing comes easily. Nothing comes quickly. There is no quick fix. But uh, one of the things that happened is that, like I say, I've had peaks and I've had valleys and I've had plateaus with mental health. Um, a peak would be when I'm doing pretty well. Medication's working. Counseling was helpful. I could move on with life a little bit. Uh, plateaus were, I just kind of moved through life, but there was not any joy. There was no spiritual growth. There was just, let's get through life. And the valleys, again, were the pit, the darkness, um, not knowing if I was ever going to be well again. And I would have setbacks of extreme depression and debilitating anxiety that would come out of nowhere, uh, perhaps when a medication wasn't working. Um, I don't know what caused it. I don't dwell on that part of it. But one time I was in the valley and I had become bedridden for a short period of time. And I was dealing with a combination of depression and anxiety. And some people may not understand that. But if you have depression, it is possible to have anxiety along with, at the very same time of the depression, you can have anxiety. Um, hard to describe what that feels like, but I was at the point of absolute panic. Um, thought I was losing my mind. And I heard a voice. And that voice said, you are condemned. You are condemned. And at that point, it scared me. But interestingly enough, uh, this was probably one of the weakest moments in my journey. And praise God, who is strong. The Holy Spirit rose up in me. He, he never abandoned me, even though I didn't feel his presence. I didn't see him. I couldn't even read about him in scripture. He was always there. He rose up in me. And he declared... He declared God's word and he said boldly, he said, there is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hmm. And I looked that up, and that was from Romans 8, 1 and 2. And I never heard that voice again. But what Satan wanted for my destruction, God used for his glory. And I can only tell you that there are many people who are suffering. There are many people who feel ashamed because they know the Lord and yet they don't feel him or see him or can't encounter him for that moment or that time period. But if you've asked Jesus to be your savior and he has come into your heart and he has taken over your life, he will never, never leave you nor forsake you no matter what you go through because our life is not dependent on our feelings. Our life in Christ is dependent upon his word, which is God's truth, which is the rock. And what I stand on today is the fact that he is my strength. He is my rock. He is my fortress. And the one who rescues me, my God, my rock and strength, whom I trust and I take refuge in. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my high tower and my stronghold. I cry out that prayer and, and that truth along with David when he spoke that from the psalm in chapter 18. He is never going to abandon you, even though you feel abandoned. He is never going to forsake you, even though you feel alone. And he has a purpose for your life, even though you don't want to go on living. That is a lie from Satan. Satan is the author of death. And God is the author of life and freedom. And you have to make a choice to follow the truth, to believe the truth, and receive the truth. And that will be the beginning of your healing, along with the prayers of those who love you, the medication you might need to take the counseling you might need to be involved in over a short or a long period of time. There are many ways that God uses healing in our lives, but the healing that you need to ask for, first of all, is for him to be the Lord of your life, to forgive you for your sins. And to receive him as your own savior, because he is the only God. He is the one true God. And there is nothing in this world 
that we can stand on. There is nothing that we can trust in and no one who is going to be for us but God because things are getting more difficult in this world and darkness wants to be in control. But you know what? God is the conqueror. He is the victor. And when we read about the end of time in Revelation, we can be sure and know for a fact that he has conquered sin through the shedding of blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. He has conquered death. And when we receive him as our savior, we have eternal life at that moment, not just when we die, but we have eternal life that starts at the moment he comes into your life and you receive him freely as a gift. No strings attached, just as you are. Messed up, in pain, suffering, or perhaps joyful, and you think life is going well, you still need to receive him. CJ, could I ask you a question? Yeah. You know, you talked about uh, you were a person of faith, you knew Christ as your Savior. Yep. Yet, did you have this impression that these these things, the things that you're suffering, could come on you at all as a, as a follower of Christ? Were you surprised by this? Yes. Yes, I was shocked. Um, that's why I kept getting sicker and sicker, and I had no idea what was wrong with me, because as a believer, uh, I just kind of heard about the promises of God. I did not hear the teaching that, you know, we need to take up our cross and follow him. Our cross involves pain. It involves suffering. Uh, I either didn't want to know that part or I didn't hear it. Uh, and so I was probably in denial that a Christian could really be in such darkness and feel so far from God. Do you, do you think that followers of Christ today, and I use the word followers of Christ because calling yourself a Christian can be so generic in many sense, but right. do you think that's the impression of many followers of Christ today that, hey, if I have this relationship, then I'm good to go. Nothing's going to happen to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's a false teaching. You know, when you say that, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, what Job went through, who was the most faithful, uh, God-fearing, and loving man of his time. Right. And he faced a suffering like probably most of us couldn't imagine. But in the end, God was still there with Job, and, 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 right. and it was made right. Right. Now, that's correct. And Job, as you recall, <laughs> Job's uh, quote wonderful wife told him to curse God and die. Yeah. Um, a very encouraging, I'm being facetious statement. <laughs> um, but Job never cursed God. 
uh, he listened to well-meaning friends. And as somebody who suffers with a mental illness, you may be hearing well-meaning friends also who are trying to encourage you or tell you to do this or that um, and you'll get better. Uh, just pray the prayer of faith and you'll be healed. Whatever it is, they are well-meaning, but uh, it, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Um, I think sometimes, as Job learned, there may not be an obvious answer for why you're suffering. Uh, we desperately want an answer. We want to know what's going on and why it's happening. And sometimes we blame God. Uh, I have never blamed God, but um, I have always wanted to know why I had this illness. Um, what purpose is it? How do I get better? How do I feel better? Uh, and I just had to kind of come to the realization that um, we live in a world that is a fallen world. We live in a world as Christians where uh, we are not perfected yet like Christ. We still do sin. And there, there is sin in the world which does affect us uh, by the choices we make and by the choices other people make. And so we are going to have and experience uh, suffering, sickness, and even death. Um, but God came in the form of Jesus Christ to die for us so that our sin would be wiped away when we receive him. Um, we are in the process as Christians. We still sin, but one day when we die, we will be immediately with Christ face to face and we will not know sin anymore. We will not be sinning anymore. Um, so I think Christians maybe have a harder time than the average Joe with uh, suffering and um, sickness and death of a loved one CJ, because they, CJ, I'm sorry. they expect good things. Yeah. And you're right. And if we could go back to that question of well-meaning friends, do you think they, do people understand depression? I mean, because you no. know, it's, it's, it's more than just feeling blue for the day, right? Yeah. Uh, people do not understand depression. Uh, for years, um, my mother-in-law was very well-meaning and wanted to know how I was doing. And she knew I was on medication and had depression. And she would say, well, you know, what you need to do is just get up a little earlier and get going and make a list. And you can start doing the things on your list and cross them off and you know, you just get going in the morning. She was well-meaning. That's what she did. But she did not have clinical depression. Uh, just being depressed, everybody experiences that. Everybody who is alive is going to feel 
depressed and a little bit blue and sad and down. And maybe it'll last for a period of time. But when that sadness lasts for days, going into weeks, perhaps months, um, that's a big red flag that you need to seek help. You need some kind of intervention to help you walk out of that or have somebody walk along with you. In, in the area of friends, again, if I could stay there for a second. Yeah. What, what, is, what would you say to, to folks about friendship? Uh, what is the best thing that they can do in a case like your case? I mean, what can yeah. they say? What can they do? What would you say is the most healthiest thing that they can offer? If, if a friend of mine knows I have depression, is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. Um, I think it involves educating um, friends, anybody, and um, telling them that depression uh, is a form of suffering. It is something that affects everything about you, your mind, your physical body, your soul, your spirit. And one of the best things they can do for you is to pray for you. Um, I would say pray for you as the Holy Spirit leads them. I've had people pray for me that who have actually preached while they're praying to me. And they're preaching what they feel would be helpful to that person. That is not helpful. Um, they cannot understand what depression is unless they have experienced it themselves. And it still won't be exactly the same walk that you're walking, but it helps. Uh, I would say prayer is helpful. Uh, sending a card every now and then. Uh, not quoting scripture at you unless you're ready to hear it. Uh, that can make you angry because you are unable to receive that scripture until you get at a healthier point. The best thing you can do is have somebody be a presence with you, to sit with you. It's kind of like the Jews when somebody dies, they have Shabbat. And people will come into their home and just sit with them and be with them and maybe pray silently. And that can be very helpful. Uh, what would you say, CJ, uh, about this, though? Because if, say, there was uh, someone, you know, who saw someone was suffering mm -hmm. and they might not fully understand what's going on, of course, 
but they just in some form of wisdom are from what they are able to gather see let's say they see in someone's life you know a great lie that could be seriously part of that cause is it is it worthwhile for them in a gracious way to call that out um I don't know, but certainly, um, I would say if a person is led by the Holy Spirit and not by what their opinion is, Mm -hmm. then they should speak it. Um, I would always choose to pray before I speak something because there is the power of life and there is the power of death in mm-hmm. the tongue. And we do need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he would have us say. Hmm. I think that's a, that's a good response. <laughs> <laughs> CJ, if I could ask another thing of you, you earlier on, talked about this thing of wanting to get well. Yeah. You probably recall a story in the Bible about uh, Jesus asking the same thing. Yes. To a guy laying around a yes, pool for I 38 years. Yes, I actually took some notes on that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is from uh, John chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. Why do you think he asked that question? I mean, you're laying there for 38 years. I mean, right. would that be the obvious question? Oh, it would be very obvious, and I, I thought I have thought about this a lot. Um, I, I'm just going to retell the story a little bit for our listeners. Um, Jesus saw a man. Uh, he was laying by a pool of water called Bethesda, and this man was an invalid. He could not walk, and he had been there. Scripture says. Uh, for a long time. Well, actually, later on in the scripture, it says he's been there for 38 years. So here's a man hoping to get well, laying by a pool of water, believing perhaps that if someone would just come by, help him step into this pool, which was supposed to have some kind of miraculous form of healing for people, then maybe he'd be healed. So he's laying there for 38 years and Jesus comes up to him and he asks, like you say, this obvious question, do you want to get well? You know, the man didn't answer yes or no. The man said some excuses and he says, uh, He starts telling Jesus why he could not get well. And he said, you know, a bunch of people come by and they get in the way and they get in the water before I do. Um, So it's an important question. I think Jesus wanted this man to think about where he was in life. and. What kind of choices was he going to make? Was he going to just keep laying there for 38 more years? 
or was he going to do something about it? And um, Jesus then says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. Um, that was the question my counselor asked me, do you want to get well? And I think um, sometimes there's comfort in sickness because it is a comfortable place if you've been there for a long time. Um, sickness comes with perks. You may not have to work anymore. You may not have to be involved with all the responsibilities that you've had in the past. Um, yeah, you're, you're sick and you may be suffering or in pain, but life has changed for you and it becomes the familiar. But you know what? God wants something much better for us. And he has a purpose. He doesn't want us just laying there, uh, not receiving his healing. He wants us to look into his eyes and say, okay, Jesus, what is it going to take for me to get well? So, CJ, we, what you just talked about brings up another thing, somewhat related to what I already asked you. But what would you say uh, to someone who is really struggling, and, and but with your knowledge and your wisdom, having mm -hmm. been there yourself, to someone who maybe you identified as really struggling or even said so, but you can see that they are making excuses that is hurting themselves. I would be honest. Uh, I would, well, again, I would have to bring that before the Holy Spirit hmm. and say, okay, Lord, I see this. You see this. What, what is my part in this? And I, I have learned that people do want to be rescuers because to see somebody in pain and suffering is uncomfortable for that person who has seen it. Maybe. In a, you know, in a different way than it is uncomfortable for the person suffering themselves. It's uncomfortable to see somebody suffering or crying. Um, we want to we wanna fix that. We want to make that better. But I would say be cautious about being that rescuer because we don't know what God's greater purpose is in allowing this to happen in that person's life. Hmm. He knows the big story. He knows what is needed for that person to walk through, perhaps feeling isolated for him, so that just as the prodigal son who lived at home and had everything great but then left, had to find out what it was really like to be Desperate. Maybe he has to come to the point of desperation before he comes back to the Lord and comes back in a deeper, more intimate way. Hmm. And so I would be cautious about trying to rescue those who are suffering and in pain. Um, 
perhaps that's what Jesus was asking. You know, do you want to be well? Are you, are you ready to do what it takes to make a change in your life? And so that's, that's one thing I've learned is, um, God, we, we should not waste our sorrows. We should not waste our pain. There is purpose in all of it because God uses everything for our good, even though it feels badly. And CJ, you said something earlier about feelings in themselves. Yeah. Can they betray us? I'm sorry? Can feelings, you know... Where does feelings come in in all this? Because sometimes we don't feel like getting up. We feel bad. We don't feel God. Right. How do you speak to the issue of feelings? And to that, I would also add, uh, you know, I think a lot of people just run strictly on feelings, and that can be actually very hurtful. Right. Um, Feelings are a real mixed bag. Um, I'm... I was, uh, I took a Myers-Briggs test (laughs) and I found out I'm an extreme feeler. And so I feel things very deeply, um, which can be good and bad. So feelings, feelings can railroad us from truth. We can wake up one morning and say, you know, I, I just really don't feel like going to work. And then we don't go, and then we don't get the paycheck. But there is a point for some people who are so sick that they despair of life itself. And that is the point that we must intervene. Um, We must do what my husband did and call the psychiatrist and get the intervention for them when they are unable to do it themselves. We, we have to act when there's a desperate case. Um, so feelings, uh, feelings can propel us in our relationship with the Lord. When we're feeling joyful, we can really get into praising and worshiping him. Uh, feelings can be deceptive that if we don't feel his presence, we think he's not there. That is a lie. Uh, we, we have to base our faith in Jesus Christ on the word of God. And despite how we feel, and where or where we are in our walk with him, we have to choose to study his word and to read what he says and take that as truth. Whether we want to receive that or not, we have to believe that that is truth and set aside our feelings. You, early on, said that you reached some point to where you described it that your brain was broken. Right. Where are you right now with that? Um, 
right now I am on the hill on the um on the peak as I said there's peaks and valleys and plateaus on my journey right now um I am feeling very well I still take medication um oh and I should regress here Oftentimes, people who are given medication start to feel better, and then they say, I don't need medication. And Christians will tell you, you shouldn't take medication because you should strictly rely on God to heal you. I am here to tell you that I have gone off of medication many times because I felt that it was wrong. And I felt shamed by other Christians who said I shouldn't take medication. And yet, God has showed me that he uses many ways of healing. And for me, medication is part of my healing process. Right now, I am on several medications. And they are helping to heal my brain. Um, my psychiatrist has told me that uh, due to the many, many medications I've been on in the past, there were four of them that actually did damage to my brain. And I have uh, something that is now called uh, anti antidepressant discontinuation syndrome. And uh, it is something that was caused by medications that people did not know would have certain side effects. And now they know, but that was in the past. So my doctor is giving me medication that are, is actually helping to heal the, um, the parts of my brain that were, uh, broken from these other medications. Um, I'm not sure, Steve, if I answered your question. Would you repeat that? No, I think you, you did, CJ. You, you answered it very well. And as we begin to kind of wind down our, our show here with that, um, it's clear that the Christian faith, being a follower of Christ, is not like waving a magic wand. And one day you, you pray to God and say, take and, and save me from this illness. It doesn't work that way, does it? I mean, No. Okay. Now, he certainly has the power to do that. He certainly has the power. If you have an illness or disorder and you pray to God, God, please heal me. He has the power to do that, and he can do that. I have no doubt about that. But for some uh, reason, according to his purpose for my life or someone else's life, um, he may not. Hmm. If having the last word right now. What would you say to those listening that maybe even this moment are experiencing some of those first symptoms of what you did over 20 years ago? What do you say to them? Um, 
if they are starting to feel uh, a depression as a, a clinical depression or anxiety? Is that what you mean? I do. And maybe a lot of folks don't understand the difference of clinical depression and just feeling blue for one day. Right. A clinical depression is a depression that um, is feeling of sadness. Um, Oftentimes you may not be able to sleep or you sleep too much. You may gain a lot of weight or you may lose a lot of weight. Um, You stop enjoying the things that you once enjoyed. there may be a, a sense of what is the purpose of me even being here? Why should I even go on? Um, when that kind of thing lasts for a period of time, um, I, I don't know what the length of that time is, but if it starts to concern you, and you think this isn't just being a little depressed, or someone points that out in your life, someone that you trust, uh, a spouse, a friend, if they point that out to you and they say, you know, I've noticed this about you and I'm concerned, then I would say that they should get some kind of intervention, that there is no shame in that. Um, Unfortunately, it is difficult to do in the mental health field. Um, Some doctors do not understand depression, and a family doctor will only deal with about five medications. If you're truly having depression, that may not be good enough for you. You may need to uh, start with a psychiatrist and um, a counselor. Um, but I would I would tune in to hearing what those closest to you are telling you, and do not just brush that off. But use that as a stepping stone to your healing. I've got one last question for you, too. On the opposite note, what would you say to someone who has been suffering for a very, very long time, maybe has tried all kinds of medications and options and feels like they are running out? Um. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Um, Don't give up. Um, If you feel you don't have the strength to be your own health advocate, find somebody who will be. Um, A husband, a friend. Um, Stay connected to at least one other person so that you do not drown. Um, I have often told people uh, through my journey, I have felt like I'm drowning. Um, I will tell my husband, I 
feel extremely fragile or I'm drowning. And that is a way of communicating to somebody that you do need some help. Um, I myself uh, would start with a counselor and I would go as far as I could where I felt it was uh, benefiting me in some way. And when it didn't, I stopped. I stopped throwing money in that direction and I found another counselor. And I tried that. I have gone through five different counselors. I would recommend finding a Christian counselor if you are a Christian, because they have a wealth of spiritual knowledge along with clinical uh, experience that they can help you with. Um, that is a critical piece to your healing if you're a Christian is to not only get um, intervention clinically, but spiritually. Um, some people can trust their pastors and go to them for counseling. Um, I, I find that you really knew, need a professional counselor when you're having depression. Uh, someone who... Um, is involved in cognitive behavioral therapy is helpful, and you can ask for that. Um, go to a person you're comfortable with. If it's if you're a female and you want to see a female, then you choose a female. Um, if you're on medication just with your family doctor and and you're not getting anywhere, you're getting worse then I would see a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is trained in many, many different medications. Um, like I said, a family doctor only deals with about five. A psychiatrist deals with many things and they know the combinations of medications that can be used together. They know the uh, side effects of them and they're more uh, able to help you through that long haul. I have been through probably five different psychiatrists also. So if you're on the path of having tried to get help and you are drowning or feeling extremely fragile and it is not getting any better, you just keep trying. You make a, a decision to find another person and you keep trying until you find somebody that can work with you and can help you because they are out there. But you also enlist your Christian friends to be praying for you. Um, all the prayer coverage that you can get. Um, put on uh, praise and worship music if you can tolerate it. Um, make it softer if you can't tolerate noise. Uh, saturate yourself in um, praise and worship music. Saturate yourself in God's word, whether it's hearing it spoken to you. Um, find a place that gives you some sense of peace, which might be sitting outside in the sunshine for a period of time. Talk to God. 
he's big enough to hear what you have to say to him. I have screamed at him. I have ranted and raved at him. He is big enough to take it. CJ, that's been an incredible story, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Restless, the podcast. Can I end with one scripture, Steve? Absolutely. Okay. Um, Where I am today in my journey, I have a scripture that I wanted to share with everybody, and when I was thinking about my talk, I thought about three, three words, uh, decision, discover, and declare. And when you're walking through this uh, journey of mental health issues, you, you do make decisions along the way. And the decisions that you make, you are going to be discovering something about God something about his character, and you will glean truths about him, and you will receive more intimacy from him as you do that. And at that point, as you discover more about who he is, you can begin to declare who God is and have a testimony for others of what an incredible God we have. And and I just wanted to end with one of the scriptures that I have. And that is um, from Revelation 5.13. And it's taken from um, a Jewish Bible, uh, the CJB. And it says, To the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb belong praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And he is worthy of our praise and he is worthy of our giving him all the glory and he is worthy of our lives. Uh, And so I encourage each one of you who may be struggling or know uh, a loved one who is struggling, that he is a God of hope and he is faithful and trustworthy and he will be with you in and through your journey. And so I uh, just want to leave that scripture with you. And I want you to believe that God is for you. All right. Thank you so much, CJ. We think that's a that's an awesome way to finish it. And I think I really do think your story is going to really touch some people. Well, uh, it, it, it is God's story. And I just praise him for it. CJ, thank you for being a part of Restless, the podcast. Uh, many folks are going to hear this and, and lives are going to change. Thank you so much. Thank you. After we were done recording, uh, CJ shared a few extra words with us, and I thought they were absolutely amazing, so I asked if I could share them for her, and she said yes. And these are her words. My story is, is really not my story. It's the story of Jesus. It's the story of who he is and what he does. 
To me, he is Jehovah Rapha, a Hebrew name for God, which means, I am the God who heals, who makes whole, and who restores the soul to wellness and health. And he is the God who saved me from taking my own life, restored my empty soul to wholeness, delivered me from the pit of isolation into giving my entire life to be with him. Not just pieces, but my whole life. He has gone from being my savior from sin to truly being the Lord of my whole life. And now he alone sits on the throne of my heart. At any moment I can be in his presence. And this is just a dot in time in God's great story for me. And when she said that about the throne, about he alone will now sit on the throne of her heart, that exact same statement is what I said to him back in 2018 about what was going on in my own. Jesus, I want you to sit on the throne of my heart and not me because I don't want to be in control anymore. I can't do it, but I believe you can. And hearing those words again from her just spoke so much to me, and I really hope they speak to you as well. CJ's story is truly a wonderful one, and I had to fight back tears just sitting here recording it. And may the same be true for you. May you see your story and hers and what could be. So for we here at Restless the Podcast, our hearts are restless for the one who said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For whom is your heart restless? And for today, who will sit on the throne of your heart? Restless.